1: every time a proud member of the gun geek network the opinions expressed are those of each individual check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in three two one
0: on this week's episode has robert rodriguez found redemption with the mandalorian Can the godfather coda fix the end of a historic trilogy And is it time for Pat Sajak to spin his own Wheel of Fortune? All this and more as we once again delve into... The Pop Culture Cosmos.
1: Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos.
0: And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos... Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and The Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, 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 please give us that five star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, The Lakers Fast Break, and Game Source. It is truly appreciated. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He is just joshing around at PopCultureCosmos.com. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing there. And also his great shows, Ocalypse and the Super B.S. Gamescast. Plus his awesome book, which is still a great holiday gift. There's still time to get it. Congratulations, you suck. Available now at Amazon and Barnes Noble. It is my good friend. It is josh peterson
2: gutting it out man hey you know uh, my voice is leaving me but i'm here also i want to congratulate you on your wheel of fortune pun that was actually really funny so there well done go.
0: i appreciate it my friend i appreciate it i want to give a big special thank you to the folks at pod vcom they played an episode of the pop culture cosmos with josh and i last night as part of their convention so we truly appreciate them doing that it was one of our better episodes of recent times so hopefully everyone out there at pod vcom that supports it gets a chance to go ahead and check that out plus again i do want to go ahead and thank everyone that allowed us to be a part of indie pods united it was a great convention marcus and i had a great time doing what we did there and also the fact i got a chance to go and be not only on one two but three panels it's all available on archives, so you want to check it out today, you can go ahead and do so at IndiePodsUnited.com and find out more information there. But uh, in fact, today's guest, Sean Dustin from the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, he's going to stop on by to talk about his experience at IndiePods United, uh, making some more pop culture stuff as well. So I'm looking forward to speaking to him on that. We're also going to be talking about some great things, including Oscar Isaac playing Snake in the Metal Gear Solid movie, just announced by Sony. So we're going to talk about how good of a fit, because I've already been asked about that already. So we'll talk about that. Amazon top sellers for Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Some interesting things popped up. So I want to hit that up with Josh today. The Godfather Coda, the death of Michael Corleone, a kind of reimagining. So There's be kind of a little bit of a things are tweaked on it, extra added footage in there to Godfather 3. Will this help bring about the great history of the Godfather series, this trilogy that everybody seems to think is great for Godfather 1 and 2, but 3 kind of fell off a cliff? We'll see if this reimagining of the Godfather Part 3 will go ahead and help restore the greatness of this awesome film trilogy. We're also going to talk about the Game Awards real quick as far as run down our thoughts on who will win Game of the Year. Cyberpunk 2077 hit store shelves this week, so we're going to talk quickly about that as well. And Pat Sajak, he's been a little testy out there to some of the contestants. So we're going to ask if it's time for Pat Sajak to possibly think about other options than hosting the Wheel of Fortune coming up as well. But my friend, before we go ahead and get into the main story, in fact, I want to go ahead and touch on it right now. BioWare just announced that one of the guys that's mainly responsible for the series that's right behind me, Mass Effect, and also Dragon Age, Casey Hudson, for the second time, is leaving Bioware, along with one of the main producers for the upcoming Dragon Age game, Mark Dara, he's also exited the studio. What does that say about what's going on with Bioware right now? Because Casey Hudson leaving the project or projects that he's most well known for at a critical time, it's not a good sign for EA and Bioware.
2: Well, if you read the press release that he gave out, he doesn't really like sound like he has a direction. He just kind of sounds like he's moving on to something. It doesn't even sound like it's something specific. He just sounds like he's moving on, doesn't know what he's moving on to. So it makes me kind of wonder, was he forced out or is this a decision he made on his own?
0: Something he's not happy with as far as the direction of the games that are on there. I'm kind of concerned about that. I mean, when that dropped earlier this week, as everyone knows out there on November 7th, they announced at Bioware that they're coming out with a remastering of the Mass Effect trilogy and a new Mass Effect on the way in, what, two, three years down the line. Plus, Dragon Age is supposed to be scheduled maybe for a late 2021, early 2022 release. That is concerning to me. That set up like, boo, boo, boo. That set up alarms for me. So I'm concerned about that. Does this concern you, my friend?
2: Well, with Dragon Age, they keep talking about how, you know, it's well into development. It'll be released soon. And they've had so many opportunities to show us gameplay footage or at least give us updates on the game. And they have repeatedly failed to do so at every obstacle. And, you know, just from what I'm hearing uh, between Casey Hudson leaving and the, uh, who who was the other person? Mark
0: Dara, who's a producer for the Dragon Age part of it.
2: Yeah, it makes me wonder if they're removing the old guard and bringing in somebody new, and makes me also think that wasn't that the problem with Mass Effect Andromeda? Mm-hmm.
0: They gave it to an inexperienced crew. They had it with an experienced crew, then quickly changed it over to an inexperienced crew so that the experienced crew could work on. I think it was Battlefront at the time. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. so it, it, I don't know, man. They're really trying to do it at EA and Bioware. They're really trying to undo themselves at this point in time. I'm very nervous. So I've got a lot of nervous feelings about mm-hmm. that.
2: Don't you? Yeah, I do. I mean, this is a big risk because it's kind of their second chance is coming right here, and they're already fumbling it right at the beginning of it. So, you know, this this could be either they're very confident in what they're doing moving forward or gonna be Mass Effect Andromeda all over again. Oh, so
0: I'm very nervous about that. I also wanted to mention with Naughty Dog, also one of my favorite studios, because I've got right over here, Nathan Drake standing by. I wanted to ask you real quick on this Neil Druckmann who was somebody we were kind of, I guess when the fallout of Amy Henning, who was the one of the creators and one of the masterminds behind the Uncharted series, when she left, she got, I don't know if she got forced out or just was very dissatisfied. There was a falling out at Naughty Dog when she left. It was plain and clear to see. Neil Druckmann was the, one of the individuals that took over the Uncharted franchise. He was most known for The Last of Us. So he took over Uncharted 4. It still was a great success. Uh, obviously, it was a very good game. It's not my favorite of the Uncharted series, but it still was an excellent game. So beautiful to be a part of when you're in there. It just—it really so beautiful to look at. He has been promoted to co-president, so he's going to be the big head honcho for Naughty Dog going forward. What are your thoughts on Neil Druckmann getting the head seat, a co-presidency, per se, for Naughty Dog going forward? It looks like you know something where... I don't know if it was political, he was forced his way through in there, or if it's just the fact that he works really hard and has done a really great job. With The Last of Us, Last of Us 2 and Uncharted 4, he's done an outstanding job. So at least we gotta go ahead and give him props for getting there based on the merit of his video games.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's made a lot of good stuff. With this though, it makes me wonder, he is being promoted to a more managerial position instead of someone who really has his hands in the games. And with that said, you know, what's going to happen with, you know, some of these existing franchises? Are they going to be bringing in new people or is is he going to double dip, so to speak?
0: Well, I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see what the direction is for Naughty Dog going forward with him. He had a lot of power there anyways, but this is going to expand it even further. So I'm very curious to see where it goes from there. Obviously, Everybody is thinking that not only will be there Last of Us 3, because that initially sold extremely well, despite all the controversies that were around it, and it's being nominated for a Game Award, so it's being very well thought of from a critical standpoint. I know there was a lot of divisiveness amongst the gaming community on it, but still, it's a great representation of a video game, in my opinion, even though the, the way this, the narrative was laid out there, there were some things there that people didn't like people were sad as far as the real shocker upon all shockers that happens in it. But I will say that he's done an excellent job of driving the Last of Us series and now the Uncharted series. There's supposedly a new IP that they're working on, but also expanding upon the other two original series with the Last of Us Part 3 I'm assuming that's going to come along the way at, what, two, three years down the line. And then, of course, Uncharted 5. It's very interesting to see all these movements behind the scenes at these two major game studios so we want to hear your thoughts on this bioware and naughty dog are you more concerned or more confident in their games going forward with naughty dog and also as well bioware we want to hear your thoughts pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com my friend the top story is this week the mandalorian and i've got baby yoda no i'm not going to call him grogu i like baby yoda baby yoda again His series is the top deal this week because, in many ways, people are talking about this episode, and it's a shorter episode. In fact, it's the shortest in the series, but still, by many people out there, it's considered one of the best, if not the best in the series, and I think it is right there among the best, and might actually be my favorite. I might have to see it again just to decide that for sure, but it's an excellent episode. It definitely... To me, it felt a lot like an old classic Star Trek episode, the way it was built, the way it was structured. So I want to hear your thoughts, Josh. The man who directed this was none other than Robert Rodriguez. With their all-star director's list, it was his turn to direct this. And I had remarked in the first episode ever of The Mandalorian, I thought that episode was too short and needed to be fleshed out. But the great thing about The Mandalorian is they're allowing the directors to go ahead and decide how long or short they want these episodes. And in this case, I thought shorter was better because it did a great job there. I want to hear your thoughts, though, on Robert Rodriguez himself. His career, I don't want to say it was in a state of flux, but Alita Battle Angel, people are still deciding whether or not, was it a hit? Was it not a hit? Let's say his career was not going in the greatest direction as far as the number of, of movies that he was making in this past decade, as opposed to his great success in the previous decades. Sin City, El Mariachi, you know, there's there's just so many other great films earlier in his career. I want to hear your thoughts on what this could do to boost Robert Rodriguez's status within the directorial community because I think he's always been a very good director. I just think he's not always been given and dealt the best hand when it comes to projects. So I'm glad that The Mandalorian is finally redeeming his quality as a director going forward.
2: Well, if you think about it, The Mandalorian is kind of like the perfect thing for him because he is someone who is used to telling these uh, noir-style stories. Like, look at Sin City. Look at... El mariachi look at Desperado. I guess Alita Battle Angel is kind of weird for him because it was a big budget film. He also did Predator, which was really good. Or at least like I liked it. But he makes movies that you don't really see a lot anymore. Like the over-the-top violence, the non-stop action. Like he makes those type of films. And the Mandalorian is actually like the perfect chance for him to uh kind of display his talents. What this will do for him going forward, I don't know, but you know, I would hope that this would kind of revitalize an interest in those types of stories because, you know, while there's a lot of those movies done in the early, in the nineties and early two thousands and they were hit and miss, they would still, it's a genre of film that just doesn't really get touched anymore.
0: Absolutely. I just had that feeling. I mean, when you watch it, Josh, I know you're not as familiar with the Star Trek universe, but it reminds me so much of a classic Star Trek episode where you could tell so much of a story and expand so much of a story, even though you're not given a whole bunch of space, whether it's due to production limitations, whether it's due to monetary limitations, but they weren't given a whole bunch of space. I don't want to go ahead and spoil it. And what happens to it, something very tragic because the, the episode's entitled The Tragedy, more than one thing, actually. So when you watch it, you're going to understand possibly what I'm talking about when it has that original classic Star Trek episode-type feel, whether it's in this combined space, but they were still able to expand and tell this type of story, plus the fact that it's redeeming. And the po- even though it's that short of an episode, it does redeem a major character in the Star Wars universe. And I hope you get a chance to catch up on The Mandalorian real soon, because this year is more even flow. Last year, it was like there were real high highs and there were real low lows. You and I talked about this. I mean, the Tatooine episode alone was just like almost turning me off. The initial episode, you know, really didn't draw me in, but there were some real high highs in in those episodes. and, And by the end, it really got me hooked this year so much of it has been like a western okay this is his adventure for this week this is his adventure for this week this is his adventure for this week but they're so entertaining these adventures and they're so well crafted i've had a just a great time watching the mandalorian throughout this year it's been more of an even keel and this tops it all because i think it is i'm gonna have to like i said see it again just to make sure but this is one of the best episodes that they've ever done if not the best so before we go ahead and hit the break, my friend, I just wanted to get your thoughts one last time on what this could do for Robert Rodriguez, as far as reinstating him, because all the surprises, all the things that were put in there in this truncated episode, it was short, but it was very sweet.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if this episode is as good as you say it is, which I, I need to watch it. If you think about it, the small screen is kind of the perfect place for Robert Rodriguez you know, it's a chance for them to tell short, gritty stories, and that's what he does best. So, I mean, if we don't see him in another Mandalorian episode, I'd hope to see him in uh, maybe like a episode of Westworld or Raised by Wolves or even see him on Netflix doing something would be real cool. I'm still holding out hope for an uh, Alita Battle Angel 2, but I definitely think that he is talented. He just needs to be put in an arena that he's comfortable with, whether that's like another predator film or an alien film or you know even moving on to a horror movie like a remake of uh, you know some of the old John Carpenter films like that could be a place where he really excels but I mean if you look at the modern culture of film there hasn't really been anything that's done in that like gritty nor action style that he is known for right. and I will I sometimes wonder if that i uh, not I mean at least in a long time so I wonder too if that's Maybe one of the reasons that people didn't go to see Elite Battle Angel or maybe they didn't like it was because they didn't like the way it was directed. But, you know, I, I think that he's still got a lot left in the tank. He just needs the right projects.
0: You never know, my friend. I'm going to throw this out there. How about Mass Effect? A series. Maybe making it a series instead of just a movie, making it an entire series. Because there's now a whole universe you can draw from.
2: Yeah, well, I, I, you know, it's funny as you're about to say that, I was thinking Halo in my head.
0: We're working on the Showtime series. That's a yeah, good possibility.
2: I, I mean, like the these he does. I mean, if you look at his work on Predator, he does really well in these sci-fi universes. So you know, maybe that could be a place he could go next.
0: Who knows? Who knows indeed? But he is coming off the success of the latest episode of the Mandalorian, one of the most well thought of, if not the most well thought of, episode in the entire series. Mind you, it hasn't gone that far yet. But still, it's Disney Plus's most successful series, and when you direct what many consider to be the best episode in the series, that could really kickstart, once again, the great career of Robert Rodriguez to get him back in that upper echelon of directors once again. What are your thoughts on the latest episode of The Mandalorian? I've seen it, so you can tell me all the spoilers in the comments, or you can tell me all the spoilers if you go ahead and send me out some love at popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Or you can go ahead and hit us up on anything social media like at Pop Culture Cosmos as well.
2: Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast.
0: For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on Wherever You Get Your Podcast. And we're back with the pop culture cosmos it's gerald along with my good friend mr josh just joshing around peterson before we hit the half hour break my friend and our guest sean dustin from the nowhere to go but up podcast i wanted to go ahead and hit you up with this real quick amazon top sellers for black friday of course a lot of consumer electronics are going to go flying off the shelves while there was a lot and i'm sure people on facebook live right now hair dryers, hot air brushes, iRobots. I mean, these portable vacuums were just really going all over the place. The Amazon Fire Stick, which I bought the updated one. So I now have the updated one because they came out with one earlier in 2020 and it was a big seller going for 18 bucks on Amazon and Black Friday. So that was a great deal. Couldn't pass that up. That was one of their big sellers. But the Nintendo Switch was one of the major sellers the bundle that was there whether it was the fortnite bundle or the mario kart 8 bundle that bundle sold extremely well and was one of the top sellers how does that strike you for black friday and cyber monday
2: how much were they selling it for
0: it was 2.99 okay and i think they were also giving three months of their live service as well packed in
2: yeah well i mean i had a feeling that the switch was going to be like a heavy hitter this holiday season You know, I know like GameStop was giving away pint glasses if you bought a Switch. And I think Target had a couple like game packages going on. So, you know, it doesn't surprise me. If you notice, so last year, the Switch did not have a lot going on on Black Friday, right? Not a lot of games being discounted, very few, really nothing. Like they had some accessories. But this time around, like I I just keep getting emails from GameStop every day and it's annoying. But, you know, Black Friday... Cyber Monday, whatever it is, these games you can find them at least twenty dollars off. So I mean, it's been you know with all those deals going on, it doesn't surprise me that a lot of people bought switches.
0: It's funny too, as well. I mean, you've got Nintendo Switch out there. I think a lot of people got frustrated in their lack of success in getting PlayStation Five and Xbox Series. So as a gift, if they're giving gifts, they decided, you know what, I'm just going to go and spend three hundred and drop it on a Nintendo Switch instead.
2: Yeah. And on that note, I mean, this might be a better topic for another episode, but all these scalpers are starting to get called out for doing what they were doing. you know, all these uh, companies basically that have been buying up all these things and selling them like StockX and places like that, like they're starting to get a lot of flack on the Internet. So
0: I know Eurogamer had reported on in Europe one being stopped that it was responsible for buying thousands of PlayStation 5. So we reported that on the PC Multiverse on Friday. So definitely uh, agree with you on that it's going to be freeing up as far as playstation 5 and xbox series but it's going to take a little more time but i'm saying early 2021 there should be more and more chances and opportunities to go ahead and buy those consoles yeah yeah for now as gifts i thought nintendo switch certainly took advantage of it with one more major push i'm i think they have more years for the nintendo switch on it
2: oh sure yeah. yeah there's especially if like these rumors are true of uh pokemon gold and silver being remastered or redone and there's more zelda games breath of the wild 2 coming out there are rumors of mario odyssey 2 so i'm sure like 2021 we're gonna see a lot of big things coming out for nintendo
0: absolutely so that was one of the not so surprising bestsellers from amazon over the course of black friday and also cyber monday And then again, I said like iRobot, the portable vacuum that you can go ahead, the remote control vacuum that just goes off by itself and does its own thing, that was pretty popular because there's several different kinds, several different makes, but iRobot is most popular and the kind of reductions on it. We also mentioned as far as some hairstyling things, but one of the most interesting things, my friend, that was a top seller for Amazon Black Friday and Cyber Monday were two different things from our childhood. Connect for the board game, and Lightbright. Did you ever think, in our adult lives, outside of maybe buying a gift for a very young one, that we would say that Lightbright would enter our lives?
2: Yeah, it's funny to see all these things coming back around. I was at Walmart, and I actually saw they had an end cap that had um pretty pretty princess on it, and they're also reselling Easy Bake ovens. So, yeah, I mean it it doesn't. It's weird how everything is so cyclical, you know. It all comes back around, and with uh, you know, Lightbright is actually a really fun game. It's really great, actually. And you know, I'm just I'm curious, like if we're gonna start seeing like the rebirth of like skip-its and Boppets and all kinds of stuff like that. That would be real neat. I'm just and, putting um, my
0: Lightbrights together right now.
2: You know, and I, part of me wonders too if it has anything to do with just not a lot of new products coming out be- and whether it has anything to do with COVID or not, just not a lot of new patents being issued for new toys.
0: Well, there you go. Josh is off camera. He's probably got a whole lineup, a whole wall full of light right there for you, but light and connect four were two of the major sellers of Amazon's black Friday and cyber Monday. So we want to hear your thoughts about all these Different types of varied selling products during the course of Amazon's Black Friday and Cyber Monday period. And I'm assuming with all the other major retailers, whether, whether it's online or in-store, those products were moving just as fast, if not more. So we want to hear your thoughts on all these different products, including Connect4 and Lightbright. Were you surprised when I told you or when you heard that they were two of the major products to move on Cyber Monday and Black Friday? We want to hear your thoughts pop Culture cosmos at yahoo.com well board games i'm just gonna say board games as a whole probably moved very well during the course of the holidays in fact they probably moved very well over the past few months due to covid i know we bought the mandalorian board game so i'm looking forward to playing that i'm not too surprised on connect 4 but the light Bright just took me back that really just surprised the heck out of me
2: you know it's funny if you go to um you know a lot of restaurants or breweries or whatever that have outdoor patio areas you always see like the giant connect four you'll see like the giant jenga so i mean uh, there there definitely is still a market for nostalgia Uh,
0: apparently there is my friend apparently there is but before we head on out my friend to the half hour break and sean dustin from the nowhere to go but up podcast i want to hit you up on this oscar isaac has been very busy he's going to be appearing on dune In the movie Dune, coming up later in 2021, that's going to be heading day and date to HBO Max, which I know Marcus and I were very excited for, which we announced all those Warner Brothers titles, including Space Jam 2, Godzilla vs. Kong. A whole bunch of movies are going to be coming day and date now with HBO Max at the same time it's being released in theaters. Just awesome to hear. One of those movies, like I said, is Dune with Oscar Isaac appearing in the movie. He's also gonna be in Marvel's Moon Knight, the television series, and now going forward, gonna be part of the MCU. But Sony said, hey, Oscar, would you mind going ahead and playing Snake in the upcoming Metal Gear Solid movie? So I wanna hear your thoughts of Oscar Isaac for you would be a good Snake for Metal Gear Solid.
2: You know, it's funny. I always like heard rumors of them making that movie but I always, like, I could never think of who would play that part real well. Originally, I was like, nah, maybe, maybe Kurt Russell because of his... But he's know, already
0: his, done a snake.
2: Right, right. But then, like, as soon as I heard Oscar Isaac, I, I could immediately picture him in the spy gear with, like, the graying hair. Like, I think that that would be a really great choice for Solid Snake, especially, you know, Oscar Isaac is somebody who is heavily involved in pop culture and he's someone who does his research. So I imagine he would be the kind of person that would go and play the games. You know, he'd go and read the books or whatever just to kind of get, you know, into the role. So I, I think that he is a great choice and this is like a great time for him because, you know, much like uh, nicolas Nicholas Cage had his renaissance. You know, we're seeing this, this big rise in Oscar Isaac and I'm really excited to see what he does going forward.
0: I am as well. It's going to be interesting to see how Oscar Isaac's portrayal of Snake in the upcoming Metal Gear Solid movie. It's not Obviously, they've not even started production on it, so it's going to be a while before it comes out. But it's very interesting to see how that goes. But I am very much in approval for Oscar Isaac as Snake. What are your thoughts out there? Do you think Oscar Isaac would make a good Snake for the upcoming Metal Gear Solid movie coming up at some point in time down the road for Sony? We want to hear your thoughts. Pop culture cosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, right after the break, we've got Sean Dustin from the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. He's going to stop by and talk about his experience working on the IndiePods United convention. And then coming up after the break, the Godfather Coda, Cyberpunk 2077, the Game Awards, and is it time for Pat Sajak to say, you know what, it's time for me to spin my own wheel off the wheel of fortune we'll talk about that coming up in a sec this is the pop
1: culture cosmos video game box art the stories behind the covers in which we talk to the illustrators and artists who are responsible for gaming's most iconic images don't forget to check out video game box art the stories behind the covers celebrating gaming's most iconic images from the people who created them this and many more from rob mccallum films
0: It's Gerald Glass for coming right back at you again. thank you so much for listening. Truly appreciated. But I'll tell you what, Christmas is around the corner. A lot of great things are happening there, of course. Hopefully everybody will have a safe and happy holiday season. But we just got past a great convention, Indie Pods United. Truly enjoyed our time. I've said it time and time again and will again on this show because we just truly enjoyed our time at the Pop Culture Cosmos and I did on a personal note with all the panels that I did. Cannot thank enough everyone involved, but I do have someone that was involved heavily with the the behind-the-scenes factor for IndiePods United, but also check his podcast out every single time a new episode drops. It's the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. you got to go ahead and check it out today, wherever you get your podcasts. It is Sean Dustin, and I'll tell you what, Sean, I want to thank you again. Obviously, everyone I've given many thanks to, but your work behind the scenes was truly exemplary. I wanna ask your thoughts on the whole process itself from start to finish in your mind. Do you think it went as well as it possibly could have?
1: Thank you, Gerald, for having me on your show. For the amount of time that we had to plan this, and I mean, there were times where it was, in the beginning, it was pretty shaky, whether or not somebody needed to take care of this, you know, I didn't do this, didn't have time to do that. and. I did as much as I could, but since I knew I was going to be, you know, have to have most of my time dedicated on the back end of this thing, that there's a whole lot that I'm not going to be able to do. There's a lot of things that aren't my strong points, like social media marketing, you know, some of these other IT things, the workings of the website and how to do all of that, that that's really isn't my strong suit. I wish I knew how to do more of it, but I think it did. I think we had a strong performance. I think the fact that we had very little downtime in between shows and streams versus some of the other podcast conventions that I've seen where there's been a lot of downtime where I would, anytime I would tune in, you'd get that blank thing. I'll be back, you know, momentarily. We I want think you it, to stay by. Yeah, stand by, don't go away. Exactly, uh, which is the actual code to, word. Go to the yeah.
0: bathroom, go get snack or change the channel.
1: Yeah, and so I, I think that we did a very good job at keeping people's attention bringing quality shows. I don't think that any of them that we brought out was a show that I would be like, ah, dude, I'll never want Why why did we have that? They were all pretty damn good. The production value of Burwell, I mean, I'm I'm still raving about that. If we're not going to be moving back to any kind of normalcy, I think that that is going to be the next generation in how we're going to get live entertainment. I agree with you. Agree with you 100%. You know, and I I think that that's, you know, since IndiePods brought that, we should start maybe moving towards bringing more of that in terms of setting up concert events and stuff like that, you know, as another outlet of what we do. I think that this was mostly a proof of concept for us just to see if we could do it. And the very fact that we did is now going to open up a lot of doors, you know, to a lot of different things that this could be utilized for. So I think it was a great success. I'm 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 super proud to have been a part of it, and Tina Marie to ask me to come in and and be one of the lead whatever you want to call it host moderator. I think the most I did was that we used my StreamYard account, and you can see that in the IndiePods. I mean, Sean Dusted is all over the place on IndiePods, and and uh, you know, and it's just because it, we used my StreamYard account, dedicated that for this event. You know, it took a lot of people using their accounts and doing this to try to cut costs down so we weren't not knowing you know how this was going to pan out so i hope that answers your question oh it did But indie Pods
0: united get some slack for having me on
1: so much i don't know <laughs> if that's a good thing for indie Pods united well i think all of the personalities really 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 worked well together Kidding, um, of course when i say that at least i yeah. hope i am you know a lot of times when i've been a part of things like this you have egos that get in the way you've got too many people that want to be the chief and not enough people that want to be the indians and you know you realize that we're all here for one common goal and that's to build something build a community build something fun in this community and i think we achieved that
0: you were able to communicate and work with so many people from various different parts of the world It's amazing how this all got done so fluidly, and obviously, it was a great product as a result.
1: The world is getting a lot smaller. It's not getting bigger. We're getting very much closer to each other. I mean, not every aspect of social media works the way that we want it to, and we've seen what's been happening in our own whatever you want to call it. But, I mean, if you're using it in the right way for a specific reason like this, it's it's perfect for bringing people together and you know to kind of raise our vibration above the silliness that's happening in the world right now. Uh, IndiePods United is
0: basically what we're seeing come out of the things like 2020. So we can go forward and when things get a little bit better, we can still utilize the knowledge that we gained from what we worked on here in this Zoom convention environment that is now becoming more and more popular these days, You know that some of it will actually be retained. And I like to see IndiePods United going forward, even when we go back to some type of normalcy, use this type of outlet, being able to connect from people all around the world that couldn't even get their live, even if it was a normal situation.
1: Yeah, I think going forward, that that should be one of the main things that we try to figure out is that, okay, when we can go brick and mortar again, to be able to incorporate both of those, you know, and have a live convention as well as do it as a, a virtual as well to include everybody.
0: I'm looking forward to that day. I'm hoping that it will go ahead and come to pass like that because obviously we mean a lot better signs that people will have the choice to either visit in person and then also as well being able to visit in a virtual fashion from anywhere in the world. They can go ahead and check out not only IndiePods United, but... A lot of events in our lives that can take place going forward because of the new information and experience that we've gained over the course of what has been very necessary in 2020. But before we head on out and before we get you to do the main plug and main pitch for Nowhere to Go Up But a podcast and why people should check it out, I want to hit you up with this. I know Christmas is around the corner. I wanted to go ahead and hear your thoughts on... How does pop culture shape your Christmas? Whether it's music, whether it's movies. I know I've had some conversations already with people every year that you know you have. What are the best Christmas movies that are out there? So that debate begins, but what are some of the things that you do around the Dustin house to make your Christmas very special?
1: Well, having a three-year-old daughter definitely uh, makes it to where I have to participate in those type of things. A lot of the stuff that I do around the holidays, like we went out and I took her to see some uh, Christmas lights around some of the neighborhoods. Obviously, going to have pictures taken with Santa, that's something that's going to be happening with her here pretty soon. This year is just different, man. I mean, usually my family gets together. Now it's mostly Zoom get-togethers that we have. So the normal things that I would normally be doing, like maybe go to the movies, watch a new flick that's coming out at the movie theater. It's always good to get some of that real movie butter popcorn that you can take and shake it and just, you know, put as much of that butter on as you want. All that stuff is kind of gone for now. And I think even the uh, the movie theaters recently said that they're, they aren't planning on opening again until 2022. So they're going to revisit all of that going forward. I think a lot of the music that I listen to is the Yuletide log that's on the, on the <laughs> YouTube. Uh, yeah, Yuletide, there, there the could fire. be
0: 24 hours of it, I think yeah. I've seen it.
1: Yeah, I put that on all the time, usually. So yeah, I mean, it's it's very different this year. I'm just trying to make the best of it and how I'm gonna try to impact the world in a more positive way. Any Christmas movies that you pop on? Any favorites
0: that you gotta have?
1: A Christmas story is usually my go-to.
0: There you go, fair enough indeed. There's a lot of great things that people do around the Yuletide season, so I'm hoping that you, your family, and everyone else out there has a safe and happy holiday season. But before we head on out, my friend, we got to go ahead and get the hard sell from you. The hard sell, the real big pitch. <laughs> We've already pitched IndiePods United. So people got to be there for IndiePods United 2021. And then all the things during the course of the next few months be part of the group, be part of the page, check it out, archives, the whole nine yards. But the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast is on right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Tell everybody about why they should check out the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast.
1: Well, if you like variety, That's definitely the place to go. I've got a ton of different content. Anything that you could possibly want, I've got content for. It started out as a a bottoms and life struggles show, you know, and in between was sort of my interests. It's kind of blossomed out into kind of whatever it is right now. And I do have those uh, bottoms and, and, you know, how people get through it, the struggles of life, whether it's addiction, uh, PTSD, mental health, you know, a lot of stuff about people that are currently incarcerated because I was actually somebody who was incarcerated for about three years in federal and state prison. And so I I started this podcast because I wanted to tell my story, but I also wanted to tell stories of other people. And that, you know, it's just because, you know, your your life was at a certain point at one point in time doesn't mean that that's the way your life has to stay. You know, we have the ability and the, the choice to make our story the way that we want to. It's not who we are. It's what we went through. And so that's really the main thing that I always want to try to convey in everything that I do is that, you know, you you can turn your mess into your message basically. And that's pretty much what I've done. I do do a live stream as well that goes to Facebook, YouTube. I haven't done it in a while because I've been caught up doing a bunch of other stuff. So I've got about 20 hours that I need to I'm thinking about doing a marathon, actually, and just doing straight 20 hours, one after another, to catch up to what needs to go on there. But I've got currently 82 episodes that are in my catalog, and I've got about 45, I think it's I think it's close to 45 right now, in my queue waiting to come out. So I've, there's not a shortage of content, for sure. That's a good thing to have. I
0: wish I had that. I, I told you that the other day. <laughs> I meant because you have that in the coffers. I wish I had that kind of content left in the coffers to go ahead, Pete, out, because my shows, as soon as I bring them in, I put them on out. Uh, For me, sometimes that leaves me a little thin. So I am very envious of your position. I just wanted to go ahead and again, thank you so much for all your help and all your work along with everybody else involved at Indie Pods United. Again, it's Sean Dustin. You gotta go ahead and check out his awesome podcast, the Nowhere To Go But Up podcast. That's Nowhere To Go But Up podcast. You gotta go ahead and check it out
1: today one more spot that i never hardly get to, but it has everywhere that you can connect with the show. If you want to you know, support the show, anything that you want to do is on my link tree, which is www.linktr.ee forward slash nowhere to go but up. Everywhere that I'm at is in that link tree.
0: Absolutely right there. Linktree has been a great thing for a lot of podcasters to go ahead as a platform to find out everything that you're doing and how easily to get to it. So yes, definitely check out the link tree for Nowhere to Go but a podcast. And for Sean, I'll tell you what, it's just been a great time interacting with you during the course of Indie Pods United. I wish you continual success with your podcast. Again, safe and happy holiday season, and again, I appreciate you taking the time to speak to me right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.
1: and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis.
0: And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. Want to thank Sean Dustin from the Nowhere to Go but a podcast for stopping by and sharing his thoughts on Indie United. And also as well, thank everyone once again for being part of the IndiePods United convention. Hopefully you will be able to attend next year at 2021. And always, if you want to go ahead and find out more information, stop by IndiePodsUnited.com. But before we head on out, my friend, I wanted to go ahead and hit you up on four last things. The first thing is the Godfather Coda, the death of Michael Corleone. I guess it's a reimagining of the Godfather Three. Francis Ford Coppola did not exactly kind of dig the way how The Godfather Part Three ended up being. So he did a George Lucas and went back and kind of made some tweaks and whatnot. A lot of the stars are saying that they enjoy this reimagining. A lot of the critics out there are saying it's, it's better, but it's not at the level where it needs to be. There's still a lot left there on the table that they could have done or could have fixed. The Godfather series, it was talked about for a long time as being one of the greatest trilogies ever for film. And in the wake of all these franchises, it's kind of lost its luster a little bit. But it should not be discounted because Godfather 1 and 2 are two of the best films of its era. So I want to hear your thoughts on how the Godfather coda, the death of Michael Corleone, can actually reignite people's love or people's interests in the Godfather series.
2: Wasn't Godfather Part Three like the one that people liked the least? Yes. Of whole but, and it's not even close. I watched The Godfather because I had to watch it for a class. You know, so I watched the whole trilogy and it was okay. But I mean, if you're trying to get a modern audience enthused about The Godfather, you know, there's two possible ways you could do that. One, you could do like a, a big documentary on how the film was made, or two, you could just remake it. And I don't know if that's something that people will be willing to do. As for people who are film aficionados, you know, I think that this is a great way to get them reinterested in the series. As it goes, a younger audience probably is not going to find this one very interesting.
0: I think they're very good films, one and two. I think they're great films, perhaps, especially the second one. But I'm not exactly on the, uh, they're the greatest films of all time fence for me. I've seen better from that era and I've seen better overall since then, but not much better. I'm just saying that they were very, very good films for me, but I'm not endeared to the Godfather series, I should say. So I probably will check it out at some point, but I'm not in a rush to see it right now.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, that's like films like Alien or... American Graffiti, even, uh, what was it, THX was the one that George Lucas did. You know, all these films, while great films, and they were staples of the era they came out in. I, myself, never find myself wanting to go back and watch these movies, but I will continually talk about how great they are and say, like, hey, if you're a fan of just film in general, this is something you need to watch.
0: What are your thoughts out there on The Godfather Coda, The Death of Michael Corleone? coming back does this gain a new interest for you because of this reimagining of the godfather part three Does this give you new interest and new sort of curiosity if you haven't watched it or if you haven't watched it for a long time the entire godfather saga we want to hear your thoughts pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com well my friend last three things to hit on real quick cyberpunk 2077 this week looking forward to it Cyberpunk is supposed to be one of the major game releases of 2020 and it's going to be a staple if it does well similar to what The Witcher 3 did for quite some time where it had that GTA type resonance where it was not just only popular and interesting for one year but multiple years and in fact The Witcher 3 still has held its pretty good value for a game that's been out several years now so I want to hear your thoughts. That is the, the, I guess, the ceiling for this game. That it could consistently be a game that people will go back to year in, year out. So I want to hear your thoughts on Cyberpunk 2077, because we could be on the verge of a major game release, or possibly a major game failure as well.
2: You know, with Cyberpunk, it's funny because, you know, I've been talking to a lot of people who are really excited about it, and they've all of a sudden become very like pessimistic because they're like, I really want to play this game. It sounds awesome. They play video games for escape and they look at the world that cyberpunk takes place in and it's not really an escape, right? Because it's so dark. It kind of is reminiscent of what we have going on today. So they're like, I really hope that this game pulls me in and like makes me forget about things. But they're also concerned that it's going to make them think about our own circumstances. And, you know, it's just funny to see how like quick that coin flip, you know, because people
0: were really high on it when it was announced
2: right and so i mean and you know back to your point with this possibly being the biggest game release you know of the past several years like i'm excited to play it i do want to play it i'm still playing uh, assassin's creed valhalla but you know, i'm hoping to sit down and find some time to do cyberpunk over the next few weeks but this is also like what if the game is bad you know what if it's like it's got so much resting on its shoulders and so many people depending on it that if it has like one bad review it could very well like be detrimental to the game.
0: We'll talk about that more coming up on the PC multiverse on Friday or when Josh and I reconvene here next week. What are your thoughts out there on Cyberpunk 2077? Are you excited to go ahead and enter the world of Cyberpunk 2077 and hopefully meeting up with Keanu Reeves while you're there? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. My friend, before we head on out, Two last things. The Game Awards, my friend, is this week as well. Jeff Keeley, your friend and mine. Ha, 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 you know, I do give him a lot of smack from time to time, but I will give him props on trying to go ahead and create this for the gaming community because this is sorely needed for the gaming community, and that is the Game Awards. So I want to hear your thoughts on basically the game of the year. All the rest, game direction, graphics, action game, all that's great. But everybody looks towards the Game Awards, the Game of the Year as being the marquee. And then also the trailers of upcoming games that they also release. So hopefully they'll be big coming out. Looking forward to that. I want to hear your thoughts, though, on the Game Awards Game of the Year with Doom Eternal, Final Fantasy VII Remake, which, again, you and I have talked about and also Marcus and I have talked about, I don't think should qualify as a Game of the Year I think it should be in its own category because it is a great remake, but it is still a remake. Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Animal Crossing New Horizons, and The Last of Us Part Two. So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend, before we head on out on who you think will win the Game of the Year at the Game Awards.
2: You know, I know we talked about Final Fantasy VII Remake, and like this is the first time, I think, in recent history where a remake has actually made it into a nomination for game of the year but i don't think that that's going to win you know my other thing i was going to say i think the last was part two has like a pretty good chance of winning but then like i, th- I started to think about animal crossing right i started to think about
0: so does my uh, daughter by the way because she just bought it
2: yeah okay yeah so i mean it's, a lot of people are into it. it's a very accessible game and I think about how it came out like right at the beginning of you know all the COVID stuff. And it, you could, you could go on for weeks after that game came out and see all these people posting about this game. This is what I'm doing in quarantine. If you went to the store on any given day, looking for this game while you're out buying toilet paper, you would not be able to find it. So I think just because of its merits in times of COVID that, Animal Crossing also has a pretty good shot at winning. So I'm going to do a twofer, and I'm going to say either Animal Crossing or The Last of Us Part Two, And The Last of Us Part Two, for obvious reasons, but I do really like Ghost of Tsushima, but I don't think that it's going to make the cut.
0: I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball on you. I think Hades might be the game of the year. Or Ghost of Tsushima. I think one of those two, they seem like Jeff Keighley-type games i mean mm-hmm. i know jeff Keighley is only part of the process in in deciding this award but i just feel that the ghost of tsushima is kind of like the game that people would lean towards To animal crossing obviously has been very addictive to a lot of people and deserves its praise the last of us part two a beloved hit by the critics but very divisive amongst the gaming community for a lot of different reasons which we've gone into on several occasions on the show I think that or Hades. Hades has just been this Diablo-esque type game that just goes under the radar for a lot of people, but seems to be this like really cult favorite. and, And I've heard no one say any bad things about this game. So I'm thinking Hades would be the type of game that, you know what, we want to go ahead and give this a higher profile, so let's go ahead and give that the award. I wouldn't be surprised there, or Ghost of Tsushima. I just think that those two might fall in line with more from what I've seen in the past on... What games do you get the most love from
2: the Game Awards? Yeah, Hades is like the hit that nobody saw coming. And I hope you're right. But just it seems like Last of Us Part Two is probably like has the biggest shot at winning here.
0: What are your thoughts out there on who will win the top game for the Game Awards? Share us your thoughts. Gosmos at Yahoo.com. My friend, before we head on out, Pat Sajak has been in the news recently. And it's been for kind of different reasons. I know the loss of Alex Trebek has hit the game show community extremely hard. I mean, him being the benchmark and standby for everything Jeopardy has been kind of gut-wrenching. The fact that we are no longer going to see Alex Trebek a part of our lives. I know that they're rebooting or they're going to return Jeopardy to the airwaves coming in January with Ken Jennings and some other Hosts are going to be stepping in from time to time, but with the Wheel of Fortune, there's a lot more eyes focused on what's going on. And Pat Sajak, in recent weeks or recent episodes, now mind you, they tape all these in bunches, so who knows when this actually happened, but in recent episodes that they've aired, on more than one occasion, he's been testy to contestants, so much so that it's kind of gone through the news wire. I know he's been doing this a long time. I remember him when he was just the weatherman at the local Los Angeles NBC station, and he was doing this as a part-time gig. I want to hear your thoughts on Pat Sajak and the Wheel of Fortune. I don't want to say he should leave the Wheel of Fortune, but should maybe someone in 2020 reach out to him and say, you know what, being testy to your contestants, time in, time out, is not a good look. Maybe in order to keep... The people coming in watching Wheel of Fortune in Cancel Culture 2020. Maybe you should go ahead and just be a little bit more patient with these contestants and some of the things they say and do on the show.
2: So, Wheel of Fortune is a show that, like, I always grew up with. I didn't always watch Jeopardy! But every night, faithfully, I would watch Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, with, uh, you know, Pat Sajak, Vanna White, right? Was the lady's name that did the. Yeah. So. Yeah, she's still there. So I looked at this guy, and I was always like, I was a huge fan, always admired him. That being said, yeah, I mean, look at how long he's been on the air. You know, not to excuse his behavior, but look at how many years he's been doing this. And then, like, in the midst of what happened with Alex Trebek, right? Like, I'm sure he's probably reflecting on a few things. And I think he's at a point in his career where he needs to step away. Like, he needs to just retire and let someone else take over because i i feel like if this is happening now it's only going to get worse as things go on
0: it's, it's not enough to say oh okay he needs to go off to show but it is going in that direction it, it's just going yeah. yeah it's it i mean how many more times can he get testy with contestants before, before yeah. the counterculture out there or the social media out there says you know what maybe we want to go ahead and see someone else in that spot I think Pat Sajak as someone who's responsible for a lot for the executive producing, I'm assuming, and all. I mean, he's got his name all over it. So if he decided to go ahead tomorrow and have someone else step in or Vanna White step up to play as host, I think he's okay. I think he's good as far as monetarily. Maybe it's just the fact that he, you know, at this age, he still wants to go ahead and be out there because of the challenge that it presents. But I think he needs to reassess how he treats his guests, his contestants. Sometimes they need to be put in their place. And I'll be the first one to say that. But to consistently do it, it wouldn't be a good look.
2: Right. So, I mean, that was my next thing I was going to say was that, like, it's best for him to step away right now instead of, like, having this continue. And then having hatred start building towards him and have him go out not being remembered for how he was but how he is now. and. um you know, I don't know if that's a conversation the network needs to have
0: because it's a syndicated show. So it's like a company yeah. that, yeah, that has to talk yeah. to
2: him on that. I mean, I don't know. This is just—it's a weird area for him. But I would hope that he is capable of like having this realization before he really kind of messes things up. You know,
0: it, it reminds me a lot of Brett Musburger who I've actually met some time back in Las Vegas, and I wanted to go ahead and say he does games for the Raiders now, radio, but he was the man behind ABC, ESPN, doing a lot of their stuff, live stuff, but he started saying some controversial things and things of that nature that kind of sounds like an old man, maybe not saying the right things on television in 2018. So he got kicked to the curb by the major networks for that very reason, and it's that reason that possibly Pat Sajak might be – Moved out or forced out if he continues down that road. So I'm hoping he'll either reassess what's going on and be a little bit nicer, more patient to these contestants on there. If it's a stand up comedian, I think in those same type of situations, they'll probably say a joke to smooth things over, to maybe settle things down. He's not a stand up comedian, so he approaches these contestants from a different way, and maybe that's the reason why it's coming across a little bit poorly amongst out there in the news and social media.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like he is not being the fun and lovable wheel of fortune host that everyone knows yeah. him as He's just becoming the uh, cranky old man. Yeah. And that's probably not a look that he wants or a look that the network wants, because there's a difference between having a conversation that encourages somebody to step down. And then there's a conversation where somebody gets fired. So I think that something needs to happen sooner rather than later on the off chance that this starts to get really bad.
0: Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more on that. So let's hope that one thing or another happens in favor of the show, because I really do like you have an affinity for that show. I do have an affinity for Pat Sajak and I think very fondly of him and I want his legacy to be a positive one continuously going forward, even after he's done with the wheel of fortune. What are your thoughts out there on Pat Sajak's current tenure right now in the Wheel of Fortune? And do you think it might be best for him to step away or reassess how he treats contestants on the Wheel of Fortune? We want to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. I really want to thank you so much for gunning it out. I'm sorry that you couldn't make IndiePods United, but I'm really happy that you're here with me today. I'm hoping you will feel better so that you'll be back strong going forward next week because we got to talk Cyberpunk 2077. I want to get more into depth with you as far as the Warner Brothers decision to go day and date on all the movies that are coming out in 2021. So I really want to get in depth with you on that. And I also want to talk Mandalorian when you catch up with all the episodes.
2: Yes, yes, I definitely want to talk about Mandalorian. I also watched New Mutants last night, so I got some thoughts on that. Also, thank you everyone for bearing with me. I know my voice is like really bad today. I'm here. I'm feeling all right. So, you know, thanks for hanging in there with me. I hope
0: so too, my friend. I hope you feel better. And I hope it's nothing real serious And enough to be back strong, not only next week, but later on this month when we start talking the best of, whether it's TV, movies, video games, what have you. So we'll be talking about that later this month. But I do want to go ahead and thank you for getting it out on today's show, The Pop Culture Cosmos. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great Transmission
1: day. Transmission commencing.
2: This is Wookie Radio. Translated
1: for the Wookie paradise. I like that Wookiee.
0: Okay. Your hosts, Ken, Derek, and Mike bring you the latest news and
2: commentary from the far reaches of the galaxy.
1: Uh, hold it. Hold it.
0: I said hold it.
2: Subscribe today on iTunes and Stitcher.
0: I just assumed it's a Wookiee.
2: Start listening today, and remember... The Force will be with you, always. You're listening
0: to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast.